That's awesome. That's great. Can you pour? Can I get an intro for a minute? Yes, yeah, sure. <laughs> what do you want? What do you want me to say? You're the boss. I'm the boss. Yeah, uh, do the theme song for who's the boss. Really? God, what's yeah. it? What's it? Show me that smile again. Is that it? That's it, or is that groin pains? On your crying? Are you trying? Is it trying or crying? Don't waste another minute on your cry trying. Or is it growing pains? I think it's growing pains. It's growing pains. Shit. I know Family Matters. That's the one I know very well. Really? Run. Of course. I can't. I can't sing. Let him go. I like that. No, I want to hear what you think it is. So you don't. Well, Family Matters. Uh, the lyrics are: It's a it's a uh, rare rare condition in this day and age to read any good news on a newspaper page. Love and tradition of the grand design. Some people say it's even harder to find, but there must be some magic clues behind these gentle walls. But all I see is the power of dreams, real love bursting out of every scene as days go by. Etc. Etc. There you go. Yeah, you And you it's, are. Uh, Carl Winslow. <laughs> what is it? Is it the deeper love of the family? I think that's the chorus. Yeah. You know, I live less than a mile away from the house they use for the intro to uh, to Family Matters. Just, just saying. I'm surprised you don't do a tour. Whenever that would be the one thing it would say on the back of my baseball card. That's the one interesting thing about me. We still don't know who he is. No, we don't. Or what he draws. But you do do you do draw and you do write. Yeah. And you are. Yeah. Hi, my name is Ryan Brown, uh, and I write and draw God Hates Astronauts, and I uh, draw a book called Curse Words, uh, and you are watching Eleven O'Clock Comics. <laughs> that time again that's the sound it's like the bell that makes the horses run down the track yeah it's, it's kind of what it is kind of what it is and they're off or the dong when you hear the uh that they get you know taco bell <laughs> i just heard big audio dynamite in my head the horses are on the track They're on uh, most of my playlists, depending on what the playlist is. Because yeah, they're, they're great. Yeah, I know, I know. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of tracks that are on my various playlists that may not fit like there's any sort of theme, but just because I could have a bunch of random songs and then I'll sprinkle in some oldies that I not oldies, but just old songs that I enjoy when I was growing up and the like and uh, just completely throws off the feel of whatever was before or is coming after it but I just like that comfort food in between some things yeah yeah after we get into it I'll comment on that hey everybody what up it's 11 o'clock comics episode 808 we're in palindrome territory I love it and I'm Vince B you are Vince B. I am David A. Price. And yay, verily, what is that we hear 
in the background, or more to the point, who is that, David? I think that is a very dear friend of ours, former O'Klosker's guest host, dinner date in yes. Charlotte. It is none other than the one of the most voracious readers I know, Mr. Brian Newberry. What up, guys? <laughs> it's so good to have Coming you. Coming in sashaying. Yeah. <sighs> How you been? It's been, a, been what, about a, a month since yeah. we peeped each other? <laughs> it's the shortest time we've been away. Yeah. It's good. Well, at least not... I mean, we're together every day on the Slack, but... All and, day, and, every day. Yeah, and we were together a little bit last night. We were. You were talking to me right before bed. Yes. I was I was live messaging him uh, my reaction to the events of the third season of Blown Away. Yeah, I woke up this morning. I was like, how far did he get before before he <laughs> called it the night? I was like, oh, he watched it all. <laughs> I did. Yeah. I'm not, I was happy with the ending, but I wasn't happy with the road getting there. Um, yeah, and there that, were a couple bad decisions on, on the show, yeah. but, but the, end was, the end was good. Yeah. Renee started watching it. I don't know if she's watching the current season or how many seasons have there been? Two? Three? Uh, this is a third. Okay. I don't know if she started from the beginning or if she just kind of jumped in. I just, I'll walk through the room and I notice she's watching it. The first season's a little rough. You Fun, know, they're, they're, but rough. Yeah, 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 they're, yeah they're trying to figure out the show a right, little bit. Right. And one thing I do think they abbreviate it too much because it's like 20, 20 minutes for a show that could be, they could do a lot more. Yeah, it should be an hour. It's like 24 minutes. They they patterned it for, or, or they laid it out for possible inclusion of commercials. Should it ever go to another, whatever. But um, And that thing, that Slack thing we talked about, well, you want in on that? Well, there's only one way, and that is to check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash 11 o'clock comics, one, one, no apostrophe. We meet every day. The 11 o'clock uh, comics, as Jason would say, the fam, um, or the, la familia, they are family, but in English, they are. And uh, we're always together. We talk. We communicate on comics and everything else. There's a book of the month club. We're going to start watching movies soon. We're going to have an 11 o'clock comics movie night. I don't know the frequency and I don't know the night, but it's going to happen very soon. Getting it done. And uh, uh, no, it's not going to be on a Wednesday. No, no, no. Uh, but the Patreon has images and audios and information. And sometimes you can download stuff. That's a hint of what's to come on our, our Patreon page. So if you want to just check it out, go there. We'd love to have you in the family. Patreon.com slash 11 o'clock comics. They make all of this possible. So blame them. And your dreams come true. They do. Yes. But the, the thing I was going to re respond to your uh, big audio dynamite comments was that it's amazing how cunning and smart Mick Jones was at the expense of everybody around him. Because back in the day, if you told me that my favorite band was, well, one of the, uh, one of the favorite members of my favorite band would leave and make his own band, if you told me it would sound like Big Audio Dynamite, I would say you were crazy. Seriously. And yeah. I'll tell you the, exactly, when I put that album on for the first time, I was like, this is insane. 
This yep. is the voice sounded right, but the 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 music it was reggae and dub. Well, the dub was okay because that was from Sandinista. But uh, yeah, and but now many many decades later, I listen to that stuff. And I'm like, he was freaking brilliant. He knew exactly yep. what he was doing. Yeah, but anyway. So yes. So it's amazing how perceptions change over time. That is true. We struggle. We do. Um, well, I'm going to let you down. Hopefully the first and last time for the night. I am drinking key lime flavored water. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's really good. That's good. No, I bet it is. Yes. Um, it's It's not as good as the cherry lime, but it's very close. Okay. All right. All right. What are you enjoying this evening, Brian? Well, I had one beer left from our friend Larry that brought me brought me a, a pack of beer at for for heroes, and I am imbibing the last one from Wax Wings Brewery. It's a fruited sour with dragon fruit, banana, mango, and peach. Wow! Very tropical and very tasty. Larry uh, guessed my uh, my type of drink pretty easily. <laughs> it sounds it sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Dap, what you got? Uh, this is uh, this is a letdown tonight. I I did not have time to uh, grab anything. I am um, I am just drinking water. Actually, it's been a couple of days since I think the last time I had something to drink was either Friday or Saturday. So I am just. Uh, Kind of wow. just chilling at the moment, and 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 enjoying some really really cold water because it is just stupid muggy and humid, and I really wasn't in the mood. I wasn't in the mood for wine, and I wasn't um, in the mood for anything too hard, even with an ice cube. So I'm just just chilling. There you go. Good stuff. Water's fun. It can be fun, yeah. And you don't feel like you crammed a loaf of bread up your ass when you're done with it. That's true, too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Brian enjoys his beer. Well. <laughs> I'm like, is this the first time you haven't had a drink on the show? Uh, <laughs> no, no. There's, uh, there's at least one, one other time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, out of out of over eight hundred episodes, there's 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 been it. Yeah, it hasn't. It's it is rare, and it's you know, it, I should have I, I should have thought it through. And if like you know, it's been a couple of days, and if I was going to have something to drink, it it should have been tonight, especially with you here. Um, but it's been said, you know, I ran up here and I was out of breath, so I was just like, I did not have time to run back downstairs. And he was chasing anything. a mugger around the block. <laughs> there was. There was a shooting a couple blocks away on uh, Friday night. They cordoned off the, the streets and everything. Wow. Two women were involved, I believe. Oh. Shit, you living in Nashville? <laughs> feels like a sometime. I'm like, why are we reverting back to the Peekskill before we moved here? <laughs> well, you know what they say, hell hath no fury. That's true. Yep. Let's talk about some comics. Let's do it. I think we should roll out the red carpet for our guest because he is... He is that, so it, it would it would be rude of us uh, were we not to let him go first. Right. All right. Well, I'm going to take us in the Wayback Machine and go back to a dark era of the Justice League. 
the Wahaha era. <gasps> Wait, the dark. Oh, you're being facetious. Oh no, I'm not actually. <laughs> oh, is it the is is it the Despero issues or is it towards the uh, Death of oh, Superman oh. issues? Dude, you were right in the hot spot, David. Uh huh. So. That Despero was that was. Man, I would, yes, you absolutely need to talk on it. But it was it it after after months of having laughs and great times and fantastic art, they got real serious for a little while. Well, they got serious all through the run, actually, because I've been rereading uh, our. It's one of my favorite runs ever. Um, of course. Yeah, you know, I've got all the issues. I've had trades. I've got the omnibuses. I've probably quadruple dipped on some of this. Um, but I'm reading the the second volume right now, and I will admit one of the creators in this is a little complicated, but we will gloss over that because at the time it was Oh, because it's also got Justice League Europe in there. Yes. Okay. And Justice League Europe is one of my favorite all-time yeah. comics. It's I remember buying it as a kid when it came out. That first run, the Queen Bee messed with both Justice League America and Europe, you know, program beetle to kill people like it's dark but the where section, where, do you, where do you stand on bart sears artwork i'm a bart sears fan i am not surprised <laughs> i loved him at cross gen i can't remember where you stand on it dap oh no i'm 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 a fan i mean i i i do i do like his work i enjoy looking at his line there there are certain I don't, most artists are like this, but I don't think he's the right fit for every character, every story. Uh, he he started off that priest-written Captain America and Falcon series, and, and it was, it was a little on the, it was drawn dark, and, and I don't think he was really the right fit for it. I think Priest has even mentioned that in, in some of his writings, but, um, you know, I mean, I like the Whitman stuff from Wizard, I like Brutes and Babes, I, uh, his Turok was a little bulky, but I thought it was fitting for for the Valiant line. Uh, but no, I I think his Captain Captain Adam looks amazing because that's kind of how I picture yep. him when he's not drawn by Pat Broderick. But I do I I like Sears a lot. There's one character I think he does bad in this, and that's Power Girl yep. with the awful outfit he gives. Exactly. Yes, yes, that is yes, yep. that is that is an awful <laughs> outfit. Agreed. But I, I love his art. Like I said, I loved it. And when he was doing cross gen, when he worked for them for a while, but so Dap, you were almost exactly on target for the story I was talking about, but we're going to sidestep to Europe because it took place at the exact same time. Okay. It's the extremist storyline in justice league Europe. Gotcha. Did y'all remember that one or did you read it way back when I did right way back when might need a little bit of a refresher from the high points. All right, I'm going to have to step back to the very beginning of Justice League this run, though, to to lay the groundwork a little bit here. So one of the things that Giffen and DeMatteis did, they kind of laid plot lines a little like Claremont, but not, you know, they didn't go on forever. But the very first arc of Justice League in this era, they fought, well, the second issue. Sorry, I'm used to storylines running for six to 12 issues now. Hmm. Um, issue two and three were the Justice League fighting these alternate reality folks that had come to basically save the world by getting rid of all the nuclear weapons. 
and they were analogs of Thor, um, Yellow Jacket, and the Scarlet Witch. And these people had only appeared in a couple issues way back in the original Justice League run, and I think their their team name was called the Assemblers. But their world had been destroyed by nuclear weapons. And the Justice League stops them, and the Thor analog Wangenda basically stops a nuclear meltdown in Russia. Looks like he's dead, but he comes back later kind of as a programmed zombie. Like his body's still working and still has powers, so the government uses him as a weapon. But the Silver Sorceress and Blue Jay have been prisoners of Russia this entire time because that's where the Justice League stopped them. And they've been drugged and they can't have, they don't have access to their powers, but somebody sneaks into the jail, gives them something that, that awakens the silver sorcerer's powers. And she's like, I'm out. I'm leaving this world. F y'all. I'm gone. And blue Jay's like, nah, I'm staying here. Cause there's nothing left on their world. It's completely destroyed. And the issue, the storyline starts right where the very first page is her on their destroyed world, just walking through the rubble. And she's completely alone. And she doesn't, she's just like breaking down a little bit. But then it cuts to another part of the world. And there are some survivors. But as I said, all the heroes in that world were analogs for Marvel folks, basically the Avengers. Well, it cuts to this big fortress and the people that are still alive are the villains that caused the nuclear holocaust. And they are, of course, analogs for Marvel characters. You've got Lord Havoc, who's the Doctor Doom. You've got Tracer, who is basically Sabretooth. Gorgon, who is Doctor Octopus. Dream Slayer, who's um, Dormammu. And then Doctor Diehard, who's the analog for Magneto. And they're pissed off because basically they're all psychopaths and they've got nothing left on the world. And to rule you know they wanted to rule the world and there's nothing left and they wanted to torture people and there's no people left and uh dream slayer clues in that silver sorceress is there and they warp to her and basically beat the hell out of her trying to figure out where she's been and basically get the coordinates of earth and decide to invade <clears throat> and they appear right where blue jay is he escaped the the Russian prison and goes to the justice league embassy in Moscow, which is not all it's cracked up to be because the guy running, it's basically a, a government spy for, for Russia. And he calls for help. Metamorpho comes through the boom tube that they have. And as soon as he gets there, the extremists pop in and beat the living hell out of him. Like, this is where I say, and this story is dark because they do not, they don't pull their punches. Like the saber guy and the others just tear Metamorpho up, which you think, Hey, he's an element guy. He can turn into gas and get away. Nah, they, they, they know what they're doing and literally beat the hell out of him and, and blue Jay and send basically send Metamorpho back through the tube to the to the Paris embassy to Captain Adam just knocked out looking like hell 
and they don't know what to do at this point. So they uh, they know they can't hop in a tube and nobody's picking up at the embassy and they don't have a jet because basically, even though the Justice League Europe seems to be more powerful at the time, when you look at the lineup, which I never even did say the lineup, it's Captain Adam, Flash, Metamorpho, Power Girl, and Elongated Man, and uh, Rocket Red. So it's a pretty powerful team. Oh, and Crimson Fox. She just joined. And at the time, you had Blue Beetle and Mr. Miracle and Fire and Ice and the Martian Manhunter. I would say pound for pound, this team's more powerful. Would you all agree on that one? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess. Um, <laughs> I, I guess. Mean, between the two Justice Leagues? It's it's I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough it's call, hard. but you it's, don't have anybody got, who's you've got Martian Manhunter, you've got Barda, you've got Guy. Oh, I forgot Guy. Barda wasn't on the team, but yeah, they did have Guy. And this is a little depowered Power Girl at the time because she got she got real injured, and Superman had to do microscopic surgery right. on her, and she lost. I some remember power. that cover. That's a crazy cover. Yeah, yeah, with a with his head in a in a big. <laughs> Contraption shooting his his heat vision through it, <laughs> but they're kind of the redheaded stepchildren of the Justice League, or at least they feel like that. So they don't have a jet, so they have to basically go to New York and get a plane to fly back to Russia because they don't want to get in a boom tube to to get there. <laughs> and by the time they get there, um, the extremists are just tearing up Moscow, and the Rocket Red Brigade who are all, you know, when they're decked out in their armor, come flying in to, to try to stop them. And literally the extremists tear them limb from limb. Like the Dr. Octopus guy, Gorgon, uses his tentacles and pulls off arms and legs. Sabretooth guts them through through their shells, all of that. The, the Dr. Doom guys just loving blowing people up. So again, it, it gets pretty pretty dark and, and graphic. And oh, and the Dormammu guy just sends people through portals to hell dimensions. Like they're not pulling punches and flat out just kill pretty well the whole Rocket Red Brigade. And the Justice League gets there and they are basically have their rears collectively handed to them within a few seconds. Like the Dream Slayer makes the jet go away, they all fall and <laughs> The Magneto guy, you know, does electromagnetic pulses and they just literally tear them up and then walk away because they're like, eh, this wasn't a challenge. And they proceed to take over the, the Earth's nuclear arsenal and make the the, uh, the governments of the world that go to the UN and Max is there giving a speech and they're telling them, surrender, or we're going to blow you up. You got a day to make up your mind. And the UN starts to lean towards doing it, but the Justice League Europe decides to go attack them at their new base in Israel and, again, get their rear handed to them and are sent to the, the world where Silver Sorceress is and to Carney, who is a member of this group that we haven't seen before and we don't know anything about. And it's basically... The only thing left is this creepy theme park that's like Disney. So well, Disney's kind of creepy. 
Yeah. Oh, it, it's real weird. Um, all, all that's left are these parades and stuff, and it turns out to be all animatronics. <laughs> which alludes to what's really going on here. Um, and they have a fight with this. They figure out who Carney is. He's this, it's this big, bloated kind of dude with a crown on that kind of looks like Tweedledee and Tweedledum. And you think he's the mastermind of it all. And Captain Adam blows him up. And then a, a, a pod opens and you get this old dude come out. So you remember the legend where Disney's had his body right. and head frozen? Yeah. Yeah. That's what this is. <laughs> he, Uncle Mitch comes out and he, uh, all the robots bow down to him and basically he froze himself cause he had the flu and there was no cure for the flu in their world. And he, uh, they start to realize something's not right. And silver sorceress takes him back to earth and this guy can control all the robots. Well, they find out that all the extremists are actually robot duplicates Carney built them and his kind of history of their world ride that he was doing. And he built them too well and they took on the personalities. And so the justice league Europe comes back and they get uncle Mitch out there and he tells them all to stop and they deactivate except for one of them. And one of them's not a robot. It's actually dream slayer. The, the Dormammu guy, he, came back he was been banished to his dark dimension and when he came back to their their world he saw it was all dead and then found these robots and kind of i think cast a spell on them to make them a little more lifelike and like his friends it was basically just living with his evil friends and they then have to defeat him and silver sorceress is there in disguise as crimson fox and he didn't see it coming and she reflected a spell back at him and he disappeared but Overall, I, I, it's one of these stories I remember from a kid. You know, I remember getting the first issues of it. And, you know, all of this was in five issues. Yeah. Nowadays, this would be like a 12-issue year-long run. Like, they packed a lot. And it was rare to have a five-issue anything in Justice League back then. You know, even the crossovers with JLA were four issues. Right. <laughs> I remember... So the fact that this was that long was big doings. Wasn't Breakdowns the longest thing they ever did? Oh, yeah. Breakdowns was the end, and yeah, it kept going. It, it seemed like it went on forever. Yeah, it did. Yeah. 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 But it was like 24 issues, maybe. Something. Both series. It seemed like it, yeah. You mentioned, uh, when you bring up Lord Havoc, I like that character a lot. Um, and, and I'm trying to remember the name of the damn series. It's not... Lord Havoc and the Extremists. Ex extrem yeah. It's not extremist. the one that was the extremist. It wasn't the countdown to um Ultimate Crisis. It was the one that Tom Derenick and Bill Sienkiewicz did. Yeah, he popped up they've popped up in a reboot. They, well the one the series I'm trying to think of was definitely before the Liam Sharp Lord Havoc. And I remember Tom penciled it. Sinkevich inked it. It was like about a six-issue miniseries. Had to do with hell, and uh, and I'm pretty sure that there's a Lord Havoc tie into it. Like he's in it somewhere, but I can't remember the damn name of the series for the life of me. But anyway, perhaps a Durenic 
<laughs> local boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember but, some of that stuff you were talking about, but I'll be totally honest. A lot of it was like, ah, I, yeah, I don't remember reading that. <laughs> yeah, it's one I read over and over as a kid. Um, you know, I had my long boxes. And, I, I, and back then I wasn't, you know, my mom would give me a dollar to go buy a comic. So it's not like I got to buy a ton, but it's one of the runs I had like issue one through 20 of justice league Europe, And I'd read them all the time growing up, but those characters do pop up. So the robots end up in a museum and they show up again in breakdowns is the next time they, they pop up. Nice. Max joins their, their team, Maxwell Lord. <laughs> and then dream slayer pops up again. I think in Jurgen's run after this, and then I think he's popped up once or twice in New 52 or Rebirth era. But it's it's rare, but they do pop up. And to your point, Vince, there was that Lord Havoc in the Extremists miniseries at, at one point. But they were a different version of the, these characters. Right, right. The um, I, I was there at the start for Europe. Um, and maybe most, if not all, the first year. And a little after that, I, I mean, I enjoyed the Ron Randall art. I, I liked a lot of of what they were doing. I tended to stick with Justice League America, um, primarily for the writers, but also you had after McGuire, you had Hughes, yeah, early Hughes. You had you had some yeah, Jason Pierce. There was some really good art on JL, JLI, JLA, and. Um, I enjoyed the stories because I was more familiar with those characters. Obviously, I, not obviously, but I, the old Super Friends comic had the Guardians of the Globe backup, and yep. that's where uh, Green Flame and Ice Maiden, and, and that's where a lot of the characters were that eventually became members of just the various Justice Leagues. And um, so I was familiar with the characters on both teams, but there was just something about, plus you had Blue Beetle, and Booster Gold on the A team or the main book. And it, it just, there was just, I was more drawn to that because of everything involved. I, it, there were times where I felt guilty because, yeah, I wanted to spread the love, spread the love. And, and I like Captain Adam and I like Bart Sears artwork. And there's, there were characters on there, but, you know, budgets being what they were when you're young, there's just only so much you could get. So, um, I would pick up the annuals, I would pick up the crossovers, but as far as the main ongoing um, month-to-month, not as much with that book as it went on. Yeah, and I I read both of them, and to your point earlier, this was this storyline was going on at the exact same time as the Despero storyline, where Despero comes back and getting revenge on the Justice League Detroit, mm-hmm. only to find out that most of them are dead already. Um, well, several of them are dead and then slaughters Gypsy's family and we think he kills Mr. Miracle, but it's actually a robot and, and all that. It was like reading these both in the omnibus at the same time. You're, you're in a very, very dark period of Justice League. (laughs) And thankfully they, it's, it's the new improved revamped, uh, makeover Despero, 
uh, with a mohawk instead of the fanned fin across the top of his head. Um, and he just looks menacing. He's he's he he's like a pink Hulk. It's just it's it's just he's he's massive and he's destructive and you know he gives zero fucks. And and when you have you know Booster and Beetle trying to swing in and save the day and make the quips and whatnot, it's like time and place, man. And and he just he let them know that he was not having it. Yeah, he almost killed uh, Beetle and Ice in yeah. that storyline too. So. But yeah, that was my first exposure to Despero. That was oh wow, that's who I thought. That's what I thought the character looked like. I never knew he looked like <laughs> something. Oh, the fan head. It was a while before I before I saw that. Oh man, first issue was he playing chess with the Justice League? Yeah, that's not the same character. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, what you got, Vince? The, the, well, just the one thing that I, the takeaway from Justice League Europe that I do remember was the storyline with Metamorpho and the baby. Yes. I don't know why I remember that. but That's where you love Rex. Stag is complete, full-on devil asshole in that story. Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, more than usual, right? Yeah. Um, but no, it, I remember the, the Sears cover with the, the baby stroller in it and Metamorpho. Yep. Like, it, it's weird. The stuff that sticks with you. Very strange. Oh, I love how Metamorpho beats the hell out of Guy Gardner in that issue. That never Turns happened. Turns to gold. <laughs> Turns to gold and beats him to a bloody pulp. But Gap, actually, I think that's why I was drawn to Justice League Europe was Metamorpho because you know my love for oh yeah Batman absolutely yep it's it's just yeah no he is it's it's he is he's a favorite um, without a doubt yeah um, as much as I love Rex I it there's still it's Rex and <laughs> Captain Adam in one hand and then a whole bunch. And the other, not that you know, not that we need to justify why we buy what we buy or read what we read, but it is, it, it was, like I said, I, there are parts, if, if I see them in the back issue bins, I'm, I, I scoop them up to this day, but yeah, at the time there may have been, been a little feeling of, of guilt for not being able to keep at it. Well, and I was talking to Hassan about this the other day, and this was Wally West flash, yep. but it's not Wally West that folks are used to. This is pre-Wade Wally West, who was a money grubber, a womanizer, constantly trying to get a dollar, hitting on Power Girl inappropriately the entire time. Like, it is a sharp difference from... Really carrying on Barry's legacy, for sure. Yeah. And Elongated Man gives him crap for it the entire time. (laughs) Didn't uh, Messner Loeb's initiate some of that? And then uh, who who was the writer after Mike Mes- Barron started Mike Barron. the series? And oh, it was flipped. Came on after. Yeah, there you go. So flip flopped it. Yeah, I knew Barron was in there too. Yeah, with Jackson yeah. Goose on uh, on the art in the original series. Right. Yeah. That's good stuff. One of these days, maybe I'll, I'll revisit that stuff. I, I should have some of it. The um, it, it was alluded to. Um, the reason why some of the Justice League Europe stuff might be a little cringe, if you just yeah. if, if you're new to comics and and you know you just want to read some old fun stories without knowing the backstory of any creators, then yes, you could have some fun with Justice League Europe. Just enjoy the work on the page. If you dig deeper, 
because I have it on my shelf right next to me to my left, Men of Tomorrow, which is one of my all-time favorite history books about the medium. But Gerard Jones was the writer of Justice League Europe, and um, he isn't looked upon favorably these days. So, Giffen plotted it, and Jones wrote from those those plots, and yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to give you guys the illusion of voting because I'm going to talk about both of these either way. But I'll I'll give you your choice. Same. I got, yeah, I got a couple things where I'm like I can go one way or the other, but they're both getting both. Better. I'll give you a choice: um, fantasy or foul as AF. Foul as oh, AF. God, why did you have to pick my two favorite things? Hey, foul I aim I aim to please. So you oh, pick. Let's go foul. All right, people, you listeners, they picked it. Um, I'm probably not going to be able to reproduce many of the pages from this book in the gallery mm-hmm. accompanying this episode. So if you go to our website, 11oclockcomics.com, uh, click on the episode link, and you'll see a gallery pop up. Uh, one of the things I read will be uh, very well distributed uh, within that gallery. This, not so much. Because there's not a whole lot of pages, at least none that are family-friendly, that I could reproduce from this. It is called Devil Ecstasy. And it is written and drawn by Shuzo Oshimi, published by Kodansha. Now, it's a heapin' helpin' of manga. If um, you're a One Piece fan... Those uh, three-in-one volumes that they're so fond of uh, releasing, this is about the same thickness as a three-in-one one-piece volume. So you're getting a lot of pages uh, for your your dollar. So what is it about? Well, it's about a young man. His name's Noboru Kusakabe. And... Poor old Nobby. Um, he's, he, he has a hard time with the ladies. Because when he was young, um, he was uh, at his cousin's, you know, for a, a, a weekend. And, and he was molested by a, an older girl named Mimi. And uh, she had giant breasts, massive hooters, and uh, she traumatized him severely because uh, he was forced to do something he didn't want to do. And she took his head and she motorboated him, but blah, blah, blah. You don't need to know the details. It's in the book. Uh, so since then, he's, he's not only been very uncomfortable and uh, afraid, terrified even, around women... Um, those with large breasts freak him out to the point where he needs to vacate the scene. He just can't be around a woman with large breasts. Needless to say, he's not um, a ladies' man. Uh, He has a very hard time with women. Um, And he's very frequently the butt of the joke um, around people who know him. Um, he he's he's terrible. Uh, it's to the point where he and his friend Takahashi, they have an arranged date set up with a couple of the ladies they work with, 
and th- it's uncomfortable. They're sitting there at the table, and the girls are just like they have their fa- their hands on their face, and they're like, mm-hmm. and neither of the men are saying anything, right? There you go. Um, and, and so the 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 date goes very very much south, and they're both trying to lick their wounds and woe is us. And Noboru says, "Fuck this." Uh, a, a very rare uh, bit of um, engagement with the world. He's like, fuck this. Let's just get out of here. Let's go do something wild and crazy, my friend. And Takahashi's like, really? You want to? Oh, sure. I'm down. Let's go do it. So they're looking for something to do, and they come upon. Um, it's called Nightmare Parlor Devil Ecstasy. And it's a massage parlor. But it has a theme. Uh, flanking the doorway is a uh, devil-horned woman with her legs spread. So, you know, the the uh, Eden, the passageway to Eden is through a woman's legs. So um, they go in, and it's a grand opening special. Prices are slashed right now because it's a it's our you know we're new and we want to build up a clientele. So it's only three hundred yen an hour. And you get to pick the woman that you want to to be with. There's 500 women here. You're bound to find somebody, you know, that's going to really get get you going. So they they go in and um, uh, Takahashi picks uh, a young lady named Serene. It's I'm guessing it's supposed to be Celine. They do this in Devil Man too. Uh, it's Celine, but it's written S I R E N E, so Serene, um, which is totally not her character uh, because she is a uh, she's a predator and she has giant boobs and it freaks out Noboru. He's like, yeah, you go with her. Uh, I'm just gonna pick, and and he settles on a, a young lady named Melulu. Very petite girl. And they get to the room and, and Noboru is still being himself. He's very intimidated by her, but she's, she's slender of build, right? And she, no one has ever proceeded with her in the, in the devil ecstasy because of her frame. Like Noboru, She's the butt of the jokes. All the other women in the, in the massage parlor, they make fun of her because she has like A cups or less. She's very, very slender, slight frame. And um, she doesn't think, she thinks this is going to be just another, another client. They're going to look at her and walk out the same as usual. She's never had a successful client. And she lifts up her garment and uh, Noboru looks at her and he falls instantly in love. Like, he has never seen anything more beautiful than her. And he tells her, he says, well, you're, you're gorgeous, you're beautiful. And as soon as he says that, she starts to cry. And she's like, you need to leave right now. You need to go, just turn around and get out of here. And he's like, why? I need to, I want to spend time with you. Nope, you need to go, get out of here. Uh, so as while this is going on, poor old Takahashi is um, being serviced by Serene. And um, I'll really cut to the chase because it's the bulk of the book. The Devil Ecstasy Nightmare Parlor is staffed by Sakubai. 
I was sitting here waiting for the Hellraiser twist. There's the suck. There's the, the you know succubus titties rampant through this book. Every page features two or more pair of succubus breasts, um, and and Serene just literally sucks the life out of um, Takahashi. But they don't. They call it um, seam, but it's they use the ligature, the AE ligature. Where it's S A E M, but it's I'm I'm pretty sure it's pronounced seam. It's semen, right? And and when they suck out the seam, it is it is manga, right? So you you don't get to see genitalia, but um, it's not digitally censored. It's more um, the, there's a, a shading technique that's used. You could still see it, but it's just basically scratched in. So the male will be in the throes of ecstasy and this giant, massive plume of undulating, vaporous goo just blah, comes right out. And the, the succubi, they inhale it. And that's the life force of these dudes. There's a goal here. The uh, devil ecstasy parlor was set up because succubi throughout history have been maligned uh, some would say rightly so maligned by humanity whenever they were encountered in the old days they were either killed or pursued and then killed or, or just you know they, they're not looked upon like oh a deer this is a fucking succubus so they they were eliminated and eradicated by by humanity and the succubi are not pleased about this so they have a chip on their collective shoulders and they want to enslave Humanity. That's the goal. So um, the problem is, succubi don't have sex organs. They're blank between the legs. There's nothing there. <laughs> it's absolutely, there's nothing, right? Which saves the censors, I guess, a lot of time, right? Because they don't have to go and, and obfuscate any kind of genitalia because there's nothing there. But um, they do have pubic hair, though, which is weird. Like this is one of the rare instances where there's female pubic hair in a in a manga that I've seen anyway, at least not, at least the over the counter stuff, but um, so how? But the goal is to enslave humanity, but their numbers are too small, and the only way a succubus can get pregnant, and you know add to their ranks is by devouring the seam, and then they have, they become pregnant and they have other succubi and so and so their 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 numbers multiply and then they'll eventually but they're they've been um injected into every aspect of of society their celebrities their sports figures their their newscasters like they're everywhere and nobody knows but the thing with noboru and Malulu, like he is just totally smitten with her. He just can't get her out of out of his mind. And likewise with her, because he was the first male that ever showed her any kind of interest. Or she said she was beautiful. Like that's unheard of in her world. Uh, she was abused at succubi school because she couldn't progress to the level of 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 killing a male. Like they would bring. Um, men in from the local village and they'd be all bound and they'd be nude and the young succubi would do their thing and 
you know, the teacher would reward them for the expediency with which they dispatched the mails and the technique. It, it's, it's, yeah, it's like a Bridget Leahy movie, you know, where they, the teacher is this, this, um, porn queen and she's instructing the young ladies on how to do the do, right? Um, but Malulu never did it because she couldn't do it. And so she was, uh, beaten and, uh, and verbally abused by her classmates and her teachers. So they, it's really neat how both Noboru and Malulu kind of have the same upbringing in, in, in some senses because they are both traumatized by those around them. I mean, it is, it, this is pretty lecherous stuff, but there's some heart in it, I think. I mean, it's basically a love story, right? I think, but I, I have a skewed, um, look at things um but it goes other places too so how does um noboru eventually fight back and get the girl of his dreams there's a a very wise rock star <laughs> it, it's actually noboru's obi-wan but he's not he's he's a, a young kid and he knows everything about the succubi why because he's dating one lalabelle she left the devil exes. She didn't want to have any part of it anymore. So she hooked up with this rock star. And so he, uh, Kageo, gives um, Noboru a little bit of hope, a little bit of, of there, there's, it's like a glimmer that maybe the relationship between uh, he and Malulu could possibly work, could be a thing. Um, here's another twist. The, the reason why Kageo and Lalabel um, are a functional couple, uh, there's a problem. He's impotent. So he can't enact what he wants. Uh, he can't fulfill his desires with, with Lalabel, but he can fulfill her desires. Now, Vince, you just told us that the, the succubi don't have sex organs, so how could he fulfill her desires? Well, they kind of do have sex organs. It's just that, well, their their clitoris is underneath their tongue. <laughs> so um, it just so happens that Kageo is a very good kisser, <laughs> and uh, he he works his magic on a, on a suc succubus. How awesome is it for a, a human male to get the drop on a a supernatural creature designed for uh, wanton escapades. Like that's pretty cool that this human is able to to turn the tables on, on a succubus. But um, I love this book. It's just the two the the majority. I mean, there's there's nasty shit going on here. They, one of the the succubi. Uh, there's a ritual that you can perform to end the life of a succubus, and it's not pretty at all. And so the the perpetrator hides the body, and they think oh, it's okay. Nobody will find out. They do. Um, the body's found, and then the people within the 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 media, those that are in the ranks of the succubi, they pick up on it, and they want the perpetrator dead, and they want everyone around the perpetrator dead. And it just so happens that uh, Noboru is around the perpetrator as is Malulu. So both of their lives are at, at, at risk and they just want to be together, but they can never really consummate anything. But 
Mel Bruce, like, I don't care. I, I, you are the loveliest thing I've ever seen in my life. I just want to be around you all the time. And that's kind of, that's kind of touching when, I mean, the, the, when the events of the book are so disturbing and so lurid and uh, call it what it is, um, you know, borderline pornographic, because there's really no explicit, ah, there is kind of some explicit stuff in it, but yeah, I mean, it, it's not a, a movie of the week, but at least there's a beating heart at the center of it. I thought it was great. Um, there's a holy shit moment at the end that I did not see coming. I should have, but I didn't. Um, but the good thing is we always, well, some people always uh, shy away from manga because it could be a major investment. This book was uh, $24.95 for a thick-ass volume, and volume two is the conclusion. So it's not going to break the bank mm. if, if you want to get in on it. Um, there's a, a cast system within the, the, the succubi, and we get to we get the lowdown on that. Um, I, I just think there's a, a Van Helsing type character in here. Uh, it's wonderful. But, you know, it's not for the faint of heart. I'll be totally honest. It's, it, there's a lot of, of body fluid, uh, some of it supernatural in this book. Um, there's death. It, it, very, very frequent nudity, constant nudity. They're succubi. Of course they're going to be nude. Um, I think. Uh, Oshimi's art is great. It's it's at times very very simple, but then depending on the the um, intensity of the narrative, the 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 drawing style will slightly shift and come become more intense. And uh, he'll go in and use grayscale uh, dot patterns and stuff. And it's I think it's just wonderful. And it's. Uh, it's purient, but it's uh, for me. I thought it was great. Devil Ecstasy from uh, Kodansha. It's awesome. It's not Oratsuka Doji. It's not that bad, but it's 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 in the neighborhood. It really is. It's good. So you mentioned Oratsuka Doji. That is the first. Um, my husband made me watch it within like a month of us meeting. Just to give you some idea, of, and and of you stayed, and you stayed. You're the best. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and I'm also laughing that you're talking about dirty manga because I actually have one on my table right now, and you're saying yours doesn't show genitalia or penetration, and mine does. Well, <laughs> it's from uh, it's from Fantagraphics. It's the passion of Gengoro. Tagame, the master of gay erotic manga. Yeah, I'm, there's I'm, no plot here. It's yes. Tom of Finland. Yes, <laughs> level four. Well, well I, yeah, I'm obviously I, I I love the drawing style, but <laughs> I'm not the target audience for that, my man. No, and the other dirty manga I have is uh, the two volumes of Dick Fight Island, and they you. You would think just the name of it, it, it would just be silly fun, but no, it is, well, it is silly fun, but it is pure porn, too. <laughs> oh, really? See, I was very curious about that. When I saw that av uh, solicited, I was like, well, how yeah. far can this go? Because it's it's oh, it by a... all a the way. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, it's hmm. all about uh, biting and um, anal sex between men. You're like, several guys on the Slack were laughing about it, thinking it, you know, oh, this might be funny, and then I think a few of them 
gay chicken out once they uh, saw a few pages. Now, who was the publisher of that? Um, Sublime. Interesting. Do, uh, dirty, dirty manga, basically. Uh, all, all from what I've seen, gay male versions. So. Mm. See, because I, I was, I would immediately think it was it would be published by Faku, which did the Aratsuka Doji. Um, yeah. Oh, that's bedtime. The um, Aratsuka Doji volumes, which I have. I mean, and they're great. The, I mean, not not the, the the violence and the sex is not what I'm calling great. The drawings are wonderful in that book. But you got to take them part and parcel. They're, the drawings yep. serve a purpose. Um, and I'm not going to say that that's the only reason why I came. Well, I shouldn't say that. That's the only reason why I bought those books, because I, I'm a fan of the original anime i remember back in the day the 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 word on the street was that it was the most extreme thing you've ever seen you need oh, to, yeah. you need to see this and it wasn't available legitimately um in the united states i had to rent it i remember going through the back pages of psychotronic magazine and i rented it from a mail order company uh, it could have been a mom and pop thing because when i got the tape it was just like uh hastily sharpied ratsuke doji on the the spine of it and it wasn't like a commercial thing there was no barcode on it it was like you rented it um they took your visa number if you didn't return it you bought it uh and i and the quality was horrible it was like watching cinemax without the converter box it was really like wavy and terrible, and but I, I still watched it, and it looked more extreme because I couldn't really see any a lot of it. When I eventually saw a legit copy of Aratsuka Doji, I was like, "This is what everybody was talking about." Like, yeah, oh, it's it, tentacle porn. It's, it's pure tentacle porn. It is. It's it's dirty, but I wouldn't call it erotic at all. I mean, it's just the same thing over and over and over. Yeah. Let's let's subjugate women. Like that's not fun. I don't want to see that. But anyway, it does have a, a, a an infamy to it, and um, it, it's not my favorite anime ever. But you have to admit, it, the the first episode or two, they do have, pack a punch because you back in the day you really didn't see that. But now it's like yeah, whatever. It's that that's everywhere now. I remember Jason had seen it when he was a kid somehow or when he was working at a video store. He got a, watched a copy of it. And then I think he found a DVD that he got me or oh. he rented. And, you know, to your point, the first couple episodes, you're like, well, in the plot, I, I don't remember it. But I was like, this is pretty decent. I mean, it's over the top. But, yeah, yeah. after I'll... a while, though, it got old. Because it was the same thing over and over again. Yeah. And it's like, okay, yeah, this is all just about that. <laughs> so. and, but it's, it's so strange. That, um, there's a tendency in a lot of Japanese fantasy-type uh, stories to um, focus on children in roles that should not be occupied by a child. Like in Ratsuka Doji, the, yeah. the centerpiece is a, basically a child. And, and I'm watching Bastard on um, Netflix, and I've read the manga, right? But the the main character, Dark Schneider, is essentially a kid. He's like a 14 year old kid, and there's but not 
physically, I mean, inside the body of Dark Schneider, he's, the, the consciousness is in there, but he's still 14 years old. And he's, he's like got women humping his shoulders and throwing their breath. Like, what is it? And a lot of the stuff I read that they, they seem to gloss over the fact, like um, Succubus and Hitman, they're young people in that book doing well even step back to sailor moon it's one of my random things i I really like i love the mythology of it but you look at the characters and they're all in middle school right yeah and sailor moon is has a full-on relationship with a character that is basically in college tuxedo mask tuxedo mask and that's supposed to be who she's with for thousands of years and just the beginning of the relationship, she's a young kid and she stays the night at his house. Like they never show anything sexual, but it's implied that they are in a relationship oh, it's, it's and dating. Happening. It's <laughs> happening. Yeah. yeah. That's that skirt short for a reason. Right? <laughs> but and now it's just a it's a curiosity to me that I mean and, and basically, come on, it's it's nobody's there's no child endangerment going on. They're just little marks on pieces of of substrate. It's lines on paper is what we say. So nobody's getting hurt. But it's a little skeevy when when you when yeah. you when you peel away the the layers and you look that these these characters are young. They're they're basically babies. I would still call a fourteen year old kid basically a baby, right? They don't know what's going on in the world. And the kid in in bastard when he's um, I forget his name, but but it starts with an L. But when he's in the kid form, he has to be kissed. the 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 magic user of the the uh, city put this ne- nefarious wizard magic user just almost took over the world, and he imprisoned this Dark Schneider character in the body of a fourteen year old boy, and the only way that Dark Schneider can be released from the boy is if the 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 imprisoning body, which would be a fourteen year old kid, is kissed by a virgin while saying this this spell. And so <laughs> it's a little it's yeah, it's a sometimes I mean when you think about it a little too much, you, you kinda wanna back away slow, like Homer going through the hedge, right? Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. <laughs> Ah, yeah. So there you go, Devil Ecstasy. <laughs> Read it or don't. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I've been wondering what your succubus book was, and now uh, I know. yeah, it just, that's it's a trope that's coming up more and more lately. Succubus and Hitman, Devil Ecstasy. I mean, a bunch of stuff um, that I've been reading has uh, succubi in it. Yeah, of course it does. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. I have been. Um, I read a f- couple things this week that I really enjoyed. Um, something that I still am unsure about how, how I feel, which I'll get into later. But I will start us off with, uh, or at least my part. I caught up on Action Comics, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, art by a slew of folks like. Daniel Sapari, uh, Miguel Mendonca, Ricardo Federici, who we know from The Last God, Will Conrad, Dale Eaglesham, Adriana Lucas, colors by um, colors by Lucas and uh, Lee Lowridge. And the Warworld saga isn't over yet. We're uh, we're up to the uh, Warworld 
revolution section of of this saga, um, which started off with the War World saga. And overall, even though it all takes place on War World, I do kind of get a little bit of a Panic in the Sky vibe because of all the heroes. Um, Clark has enlisted in this... um, in this crusade and taking on a uh, a very destructive force uh, in the form of, of um, the Mongol who is, because the other Mongols who uh, Superman has faced in the past, um, every Mongol basically kills his father, and uh, and and so uh, their references to the Mongol who was as far as who Superman has faced in the past. But this one, this one's a little bit more bloodthirsty, a little bit more, uh, quite a bit more intense. Uh, Definitely not keen on the, um, on showing much mercy. He does make a mistake in the sense that uh, he does not kill Superman. He does not want to make Superman a martyr. Um, even though one of his advisors does say that you really should take him off the board because, you know, yes, he's weak now, but uh, chances are that won't always be the case. Anyway, the characters that um, Superman brings with him to Warworld are uh, Omac, not the Omac, not any Omac we're, we're familiar with, uh, but still using that that name or at least that acronym. Um and Omak, I think, is kind of, oddly enough, the weak link of um, of the group. And that's because Omak, um, Omak is really there for the woman known as Light Ray. And, um, and so you have Omak, Light Ray, Midnighter, Apollo, Enchantress, June Moon, the one we're familiar with. Manchester Black and Steel. In this case, it's Steel's niece because John Henry Irons is back on Earth um, with Lois, um, working on something that will hopefully help Superman. Because one of the um, one of the War Zoons, one of the War World um, refugees who escaped to Earth uh, that met Superman and kind of fought. Super boy at the time and and Supergirl, um, she's she was obviously a slave and and she had the chains and so Superman is going to uh, free everybody who has been enslaved by Warworld and and what's happening is basically every time Mongol takes over a planet, uh, the idea is pretty much that uh, any remaining species from that planet, uh, if they, whoever, you know, the last one who survives the pits of, uh, of war world, there's a whole, he's got this whole ceremony. It's a whole ritual. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty depressing. It's pretty ruthless. Um, Mongol is, is, is a massive asshole. Um, but our heroes hit the ground running. They show up on Warworld and they are pretty much squashed in short order. They uh, uh, they are once they 
once they land and they're going to uh, think they're saving the day, there you are. Um, Chadle, who's basically has one working limb. He's got uh, two stubs, basically from the knees up. He's he's got legs, and uh, and and basically he's got he's got one working arm. Um, but he is uh, he is the most prized servant of Mongol. He is he is uh, he's a survivor, and he introduces uh, teacher, mother, orphan, darling. And the unmade, and they're kind of like a Black Order slash Hellraiser kind of mashup. The way they look and 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 uh, their abilities, and like I said, they uh, they make short work of Superman and his pals. And um, and it's also revealed that Superman has been suffering from radiation poisoning, and Enchantress has actually been crafting the illusion of making Superman look like Superman. He is. He is a uh, little haggard. He's um, he's got some gray in his temples. He uh, he's not as strong as he as we're used to seeing him. Um, and obviously, the further away he is from a yellow sun, um, the radiation from War World, he's just he's in rough shape. He's not operating at peak efficiency. And Mongol puts him in chains. And every time you make a kill you get another link added to your chain. So uh, everybody who's got chains wrapped around their arms or all over their body, they've, of course, fought longer, have taken more kills. Um, and Mongol has made it so that if you show mercy, it's a sign of weakness. You're a coward. Uh, doing a whole kind of bizarro thing where, you know, yes, the, the strong survive. You are looked upon um with pride if uh if, if you basically if you remain a slave because being you know doing mongols bidding and and fighting in his pits that's you know that's that's the highest form and that's just that's he's just he's got them completely warped and of course superman trying to let everybody know i'm here to free you uh they they've been brainwashed for so long that they're just not um they're just not hearing it um the uh while all of this is going on, the United Planets are um, trying to figure out, you know, hey, should we act? We uh, we have to, you know, we we have to support Superman. We 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 should join forces, and and our planets should unite, hence the name, so that we can take on Mongol. And and Superman's leading the charge. Why would we leave him to fight our battles for us? And and kind of just letting him fend for himself. It, it makes zero sense. Um, but the Lord Premier of United Planets, his name is uh, Tharos, he's a Durlin. Um, he, uh, he's basically like, listen, um, we, uh, we really shouldn't um, get involved in this. And because uh, the United Planet members are like, listen, you know, he just we may have just killed our, our greatest asset. We, we really do need to rescue him. And, and the premier is like, nah, Superman's dead. You know, we saw it all happen. We let it be recorded on this day. The Superman of earth died at the hands of Mongol of war world. And one of the members is like, this is bullshit. We, we, he'd have never given us on, never given up on us. We have to do something. And, and Theris is like, listen, what would you have us do now? Send word to earth of his death and bit to his son that we watched his father die and did nothing. If we attack Warworld and risk the annihilation 
and enslavement of all our homos. That's what's going to happen. If we decide now that Superman is 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 down, what are we going to do? There's nothing. Mongol get mad at us. It'll just be for nothing. We should just, you know, the the only thing we can do is nothing, and that's kind of just, you know, we're just going to let this go, um, let wars war world do what war world does, and and we'll, the United Planets just go about its business. Um, and you find out in later issues that uh, this was kind of all a plan. Thoros basically did all of this because it, he and Mongol kind of had a backroom deal where, you know, we'll, I'll keep the United Planets at bay. We won't interfere and you'll leave our planets alone. You can go ahead and enslave the entire galaxy, everybody else you want. You leave us alone. We're going to stay out of your business. And of course, you know, you can't make a deal with the devil like that. Um, while Superman is enslaved, um, he, uh, he meets other other slaves and uh we um were were shown that um there's another race basically a, an ancient race their ancestors were also on krypton at some point um fellosians and uh i have a feeling i think they may be the key because even though like superman they're weak or weakened on war world um the things that power war world um there's uh it's like genesis effect kind of flowing through the this makeshift planet and superman is slowly while he's down there in the caverns and and getting closer to the 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 core the the innards of, of war world he's starting to get some of his strength back and i have a feeling that the um that the philosians are going to um make contact with these same rocks and um i think they may help um turn the tide but uh steel she becomes friends with um with the blacksmith so she starts working in the smithy so she's able to make uh some better armor for her um for her teammates when everybody else was captured light ray was taken down she's she's basically dead um and Mongol promises Omek that uh, I'll bring her back. You just now work for me. You know, you're not a slave, but you just handle my business. I'll give you Light Ray back and everybody will live happily ever after. Um, Manchester Black is being tortured for uh, and and um, his abilities are being used to enhance others. Uh, Enchantress is in prison. Uh, the only one who got away, of course, is Midnighter, and he's been working hard um, assembling the troops to um, almost immediately, like one of the first nights they're there, Midnighter gets into the pens and he's like, you know, he's telling Big Blue, let's go. I got you a way out. And Superman's like, I'm not leaving. I'm not I'm not leaving everybody here. I'm not. I We came here to free these people. I'm not bouncing now. And all Midnighter's concerned about is saving Apollo because they're using him basically to power also power war world it's just it's it's you know johnson has weaved a pretty interesting and intricate kind of tale and and it, it, every time every, every month it goes on a bit, a little bit longer you're you're there is some slight concern as to whether how is superman going to yes of course he's superman you, you just know something is going to the, the, the tide will turn and um he will 
break free, he'll make it back home. Uh, well, I would assume, but you don't know what he's going to have to sacrifice or what else is going to be left behind. Um, while all this is going on, there was an annual released, and the annual is kind of a um, a dual story. Um, you've got uh, um, it's written by Philip Kennedy Johnson and Cy Spurrier, art by Dale Eaglesham and um, and Ian Churchill. Churchill does the Clark, the young Clark Kent story. Um, where, I mean, he's really young. Uh, we're talking grade school, and, and the story revolves around um, a game of soccer. And there's a bully, Caleb, uh, who is um, who has has been mean to the other kids at school. And he uh, they're playing soccer. He's got the ball at one point. Clark uses... Uh, blows the ball away from Caleb so he can get it in and, and score a goal. Unfortunately, Ma saw that. And, um, and she's like, I saw what you did and you're better than that. And, and he's trying to justify it. He's like, listen, I have, you know, if I didn't, I have these powers. If I don't use them, like, isn't that lying? Pa doesn't want us to lie. So it's like, if I hide them, is that, and she's like, I, don't be smart about it. But you know, she's explaining the right and wrong way to, use his abilities um and uh he caleb swears clark cheated he knows he cheated and um she's just like you know you have to have the strength to know when not to do that not to 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 use your abilities to your advantage and just to make someone else look small or seem petty or just that that that's not why that's just not how we're raising you um and did you know ma kent had cancer at any point in her life? I, I, I didn't until this annual. Um, I don't know if this is a little retcon, if, if this is something that uh, the writers are, are picking up that someone else had put down, but um, or if this was just done for this little story. Um, but it plays a role in it because Caleb, after the game, kicks the ball towards Clark, but ends up hitting Martha and uh, knocks her wig off and and clark had no idea that she was bald and, and going in for chemo um and on the uh, while that's happening while we're getting clark's story we're also taken to war world uh where one of mongol's mates and her offspring were sent out into the the wasteland to try to survive um and he ends up surviving, and I'm pretty sure that that might just be some foreshadowing for maybe a Mongol who will be, because um, it's just it's it's a never-ending cycle. But it's just been it has been a it's been a very entertaining read. I let a bunch a bunch of issues um, pile up only because I knew this was something that was going to be going on for a while, um, and it is broken up in chapters. You get like I said, you got the saga, you got the revolution. I'm not sure where 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 maybe going after that or if the revolution kind of just wraps it up um but i mean it's it's been going on for at least a, over a dozen at least a dozen issues um and and the art the the, the federici issues are gorgeous which we could expect since we know what his work was like on um on the last god but uh yeah that there's there's a little bit of a connection between um with Clark is able actually to send messages back to Earth because of um, because of the stone that 
the uh, the escaped slave had with her. Um, it's kind of like a, a two way radio and um, and short bursts of communication are able to get through both ways. But um, uh, Clark is getting strength back. Um, we're uh, there aren't um, there, there are some twists and turns, and uh, Mongol has decided that uh, you know maybe his uh, his people were right, and that um, he does need to take Superman off the board. It may be um, too little, too late, but it's um, it's you know just you're kind of now we're just waiting to see everybody get back together and um, and and finally finish what they tried to start. Um, and, and they've been, they've been there a while. They've, they've been on war world for, for quite some time. Um, so I, I don't know. Um, I, I, I don't know what, how things are going to be like when ever Clark gets back home. I, I just, it, it, it has been a very, um, very interesting, very interesting, um, story arc. I, I, I like that, um, I, Superman's obviously off the board on, on, on the other books. At least Kal-El is off the board in, in other books, so he's able to focus on this and it's it's a um it's been a hell of a ride. I, I don't know I don't know how much longer it's it's running. I know the I believe our cover was solicited not too long ago, but um yeah, I, I like I said, I've been letting the books pile up. I've been enjoying Son of Kal-El a hell of a lot and um and because I knew this was going to go on for a while, I didn't. I didn't want to read it month to month and just try to remember all the players and 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 know where everybody was. Reading it in in one chunk for the issues I've had um, have kind of really amped it up. I, I think that it reads better this way. I think the collection will look pretty smart. But uh, yeah, I've I've it was definitely something. I and, and every time I finish an issue, I just I can't. I had to read the next one. It wasn't. Um, I kind of am a little bummed that I only have up to you know ten forty five and not uh, don't have the other issues that, that that are still to come out because I I, I kind of want more I, I I just it has really kept my attention so um, I'm quite pleased that uh, if you may have felt that uh, Johnson was a little off with the start of his Superman run because we did love his work on last God, still love his work on last God. Um, I think, uh, this is really, this is what I was waiting for. This is the kind of story, maybe not this particular story about, um, not gladiator Superman freeing the slaves, but this, the, the, the scope of this, the kind of, uh, this, this type of Superman story where he is, um, this is what Superman is. He's, he's, he just, this is the character that uh, that I enjoy. That I just you know o- overcoming the odds and and believing in others and uh, being there for them. And it, it's he he definitely has a handle on that on, on that aspect of um, of Superman. So yeah, I've, I've really been digging action comics. I've been wondering how this is because I read the lead up with the authority. Yeah, and yeah. Stuff beforehand, we're basically which I wasn't in love together. with. But yeah, 
Yeah, that's why I was kind of like, uh, I'm not sure how this is going to be, and really haven't heard anybody talking about it too much. I know uh, Ian on the Slack has really been digging it, um, and uh, that's another reason why I really wanted to kind of dig in before it gets too, too long, and I, I just end up letting it pile up, and who knows when I'd get to it, I want it. Because if it's just got a handful of issues left, at least that'll I'll be able to maintain the momentum and retain information. But yeah, if that's probably another reason why I held off as long as I did because I kind of really that that miniseries did leave a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth. Yeah, the solicits really remind me of a Planet Hulk for Superman. Maybe yeah, that's a bad analogy. I can see that. No, no, it's there, there's I can see that because even that 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 was that was kind of like Gladiator as well. So yeah, it's it's there. And I think. Uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson's leaving the book after he wraps that story up, isn't he? I think he is. Yeah, I want to say that was announced not too long ago. I can spoil what happens to Superman when he comes back. He no. dies with the Justice League before uh, uh, Dark, Dark Crisis, Crisis of Infinite yeah. Earths. Yeah, okay. Because <laughs> I think he was with the, the team. But I, I know he yeah, wasn't. Yeah, I stopped. I Yeah, when um, because I knew... I knew Williamson was was basically just leading up to Dark Crisis, so I was like, when when Bendis left, I was like, I'll I'm I'm good, I'll I'll come back to it maybe later, but I, I don't need to stay current right now. Yeah, that was probably a wise choice, but I know some friends <laughs> are enjoying it. I'm That's just, good. Yeah. Uh, what do y'all say? I love it when my friends are enjoying some comics. Yeah, yeah, I love it when my friends enjoy what they're reading. Yep. What else you got, Brian? Oh, goodness. Um, I read so much, but I'm... Okay. I was going to say this for In Your Travels, but we'll dive in a little bit. And also, I want to know what that fantasy series you got is, Vince. And if it's Birthright, we're going all in. It's, anyway. it's not, actually. Damn it. But it, because I'm still... The last one I, I read was volume four. Okay. You said every time they solicit, you're going to buy some. So yeah, let this, me tell you. It will happen. This preview solicited all of them again. Did it really? So you need to add a couple or just buy the re- the, re- the last six. Hmm. I do like the I'm series ready. a lot. I'm and ready for you to be done, and then I will reread it, and you can have me on the show, and you and I just talk about all 50 issues. Okay. And <laughs> you do know about uh, Dark Ride, right? That's the... The uh, they've got working yeah. on, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and there was a Skybound X story. Yep. After, I hope you didn't read it because it probably spoiled the ending. I looked at it, yeah, but I didn't. Don't. Yeah, I didn't retain uh, all. I I did was uh, enjoy the beautiful art. I didn't uh, uh, delve into the particulars, and I can't even remember what it was about. So good, but I. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I did buy. Skybound X was be or ten was because there there was a birthright story in it. So I'm like, hot damn, I need to have that. <laughs> but yeah, but it, it picks up right after the the end of the of the book. But anyway, um, just real kind of quick, high level. Um, y'all know I love me some X books. Can't help it. It's an addiction from way back. But I give side eye to events now. Big Marvel events mm-hmm. just like are saltpeter. It's like, okay, 
20 of these books. You're going to, you're going to make it 50 books and 40 of them aren't going to matter. That said, I'm going to say peep out Avengers X-Men Eternals judgment day, the new crossover that's happening. Cause it looks like Karen Gillen's writing almost a large portion of the books and he is writing one of my two favorite X-Men books right now. And he wrote the Eternals that led up to this, which I love that Eternals series. If y'all probably don't remember, but it was my superhero book of the year on the O'Closkers when I was on. So just the fact that he's leading the book and he's writing, wrote one of the books that leads up to it and writes several of the, of the X-Men books. I think that tight control is going to help. But I will say I counted up the number of issues that this storyline is going to go through, and I think it was 38. Mm. So basically it's going to fill up an omnibus with all the side stories, <laughs> which Marvel's been doing that every year. That's the goal. Yep. But um, it's written by Kieran Gillen, and the art is by Valerio Shidi. And this was a surprisingly good book. And I shouldn't say surprisingly because Kieran Gillen's awesome, but... Again, it's going to be a big crossover, but this was the special leading up to it, and um, it kind of pulls some threads from a few other storylines leading up to this, but it starts out with Cersei and Tony Stark being really catty to each other in New York. Um, one of the lines just, just made me laugh, but... Um, I can't even remember exactly what it was because it's been a few weeks since I read it. But Cersei is full on, like we hadn't seen her in a while, playing coy. Because um, all the Eternals basically invaded the Sentinel headquarters. Not Sentinel, the Celestial headquarters that the Avengers have at the North Pole to communicate with the dead god. Because the Celestials are the Eternals' gods. And they wanted to talk to it. So they... they invaded it to and fought the avengers and the avengers didn't know why and it had a whole thing to do with thanos had become the head eternal at that time which all right i love that book but i'm tired of thanos marvel <laughs> needs to put him to bed for just a couple years yeah because how many times lately have they killed him in the last decade and he's literally alive again in the next book a month later like it's happened at least a half dozen times. <laughs> you can't quit the mad god. Come on. Oh, I mean, I know his whole shtick is die and come back, but it's just he needs to go rest for a little while. Um, but the X Men status quo at this point is at the and I am spoiling a new book. It's been out a couple weeks, so oh well. Um, the X Men <laughs> status quo is everybody knows that mutants can be resurrected now. And humans are throwing a fit, and some of them are trying to buy in and want want whatever magic pill that the mutants have to to bring them back. Um, and you know we've got the whole Erico situation on Mars, but the Eternals are now led by a new um, Prime Eternal who. Oh my gosh, I cannot remember the dude's name. Um, the the one that's the mind controller. There's a hundred Eternals, and I cannot remember this dude's name. Oh well, I will what? be streaks. <laughs> I'll be 
I would be screaming at myself if I'm listening to this, telling the name. So let's just throw that out there right now. But they basically decide that mutants are deviants, and the whole purpose of Eternals is to what? Squash the deviants. Yes. Can correct excess deviation is their, their new lines. Um, so the Prime Eternal has tried to get the other Eternals to, to vote to kill the mutants. They're deviants that they have missed all this time. And now that they are basically eternal, it's like, yeah, they've, they've gotten excess deviation. And you know, we've got Moira McTaggart out there who at the end of Inferno was basically chased off of Krakoa and she hates mutants now. And she's been, she's joined up with Orcus. So she basically gets with the Eternals and starts laying out a plan for them to destroy Krakoa. Now, Vince, what is the one thing that happens when a bunch of Eternals get together? What's what's that Kirby invention that he made with them? Glory hole. <laughs> uh, so when you get a bunch of Eternals together and they need to do, to do something really powerful, they create a Unimind. Yes. And they create a Unimine above Krakoa and just blast the hell out of it. Ooh, that's not good. Yeah, and it's a it's not quite a full splash page, but it's like a three quarter spread of the giant brain creature just ripping through it. Um, a few of the you know some of the mutants, of course, survive and they start attacking the Eternals, but there's. Gillen has had this whole thing where there are a hundred Eternals and he'll list them out in some of his data pages and they're different clans and stuff. Well, some of the ones we haven't seen start appearing in this book. So a bunch of Eternals in battle armor after they blast the island come and invade and start killing mutants and the X-Men teams all fight back. Um, oh, and I want to step back. They actually tried to send a bio weapon to Krakoa to just you know, kill all the mutants through a disease all at once. And the earth stopped them from doing it because the earth is kind of a narrator in this book too. It's the great machine and the earth actually likes Krakoa. It's known Krakoa for a long time and likes it. And like, don't do this. Aww, so they're, they're buddies pretty much and stops them from, from sending the the bioweapons, so then they have to take the hands-on approach, and that's why they they attack the island. But at the same time, they release Uranos, the old Prime Eternal from millennia ago, who is basically one-man devastation, Thanos cranked up. They release him on Erico for one hour. And the population goes from a million to just a few in the whole time he's there. So they're they're going on a full-on front of destroying the island, Krakoa, and Mars. And then later, you, you might like this. So there's a combination of these Eternals that come out that we haven't seen that are like a big weapon. They are basically giant kaiju Eternals crossed with Celestials. Wow. So their their form is very modern Kirby celestial looking, but cross cross with kind of creature kaiju look. Hmm. And 
the Avengers are, are stepping in and, oh, and uh, two of the Eternals kidnap Sinister. And we think they're basically trying to build a new Celestial as their god and they need Sinister's help somehow. Um, so, yeah, that's going to go well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it's it's a big lead up, big of big doings in, in this one special. Um, unfortunately, it does lead to 38 spinoff titles over <laughs> between now and November <laughs> before this is over. <laughs> but I'm just going to cherry pick a couple of them and read the books I normally read, which unfortunately is almost all of these books anyway. <laughs> it's really going to be interesting to see how the the whole kaboom over uh, Krakoa filters into the regular titles after this. Yeah, so this week actually we had X-Men Red, Immortal, and Legion of X come out. I have not had a chance to read them yet, but they are all crossover issues. Yeah. And the cover for X-Men Red is Cable. But it's his skeleton and his big padded outfit with the yeah. big shoulders and everything, because he's been on um, Mars this whole time um, lately. So he dies yet again. And actually, they show that in the special, and they show Hope bringing him back. And the Eternals do know about the Five, so part of their invasion of the island is to go after and kill the Five, so right. mutants can't be resurrected. Well, that makes sense, right? Yeah. And the humans don't know how mutants are coming out, coming back, but Moira tipped off the Eternals when her meeting and told them, kill the five. Wow, she's really gone south. Oh, yeah, she is not happy. But if you, if you think back to Hickman stuff, and I remember the minutia of this, um, you know, there were backup, backup in like the Shi'ar Empire and a couple other places for mutants to be resurrected. So I don't know if they're going to gonna remember that or not or or anything, because there are Cerebro units in a couple of different places, too. Well, there's there's still a seedling aboard the, the Orcus uh, installation, right? Wasn't that the whole thing that they, they sent um, Mystique up there to, to put the seedling and then she died and they, they, they pulled her out of space and she had to go back to make sure that it was... Um, that it took root. Wasn't that a, a... I think that was just a gate that they were trying to do, but I think there's like backup genetic material and cerebros and other locations so mutants can come back. And I know there's plans for if the five die, that they have alternate mutants that can step in with similar powers for some of them to, to help instigate mutant resurrection. Mm -hmm. But if the Eternals kill all the mutants at once, then they're not going to have a chance to, to do that. So I think that's the kind of the plan there right well it sounds fun um yeah to, i'll be totally honest i'll, I'll the, the only way i'm gonna encounter parts of this storyline are in the x books like I, i'm yeah. just i'm not gonna read i mean it sounds good and it looks really nice but i just I, I think the the fact that um he's listing all of the celestials and what clans they they're in and stuff that sounds very hickman to me so it's his storylines are at least the the seeds that he planted are in good hands, right? So yeah, Kill, uh, Karen Gillan's Eternals book was very Hickman esque, and the data sheets and and things like that. And really, when Gillan had a run on X Men before, it was with the Utopia era in San Francisco. He was starting 
to lay some of the groundwork like Hickman did by getting the X-Men involved in government and PR firms and things like that. It's just Hickman cranked it up to a thousand from, from that base. Right. But Gillen has grown since then too, as a writer and, and plot points and, and all that. And I think he's, he's doing awesome on immortal. Um, I'm actually looking through this list. Marauders is, one or two issues, I think, in there, and I know that's one of your your favorites. Yeah, I do so. like Marauders. Yep, yep. Yeah, and Draug is the the name of the of the Prime Eternal. I was thinking of. So you're a stickler for detail. That's a good. Uh, it would drive me insane if I didn't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, fantasy time. I'll give you what you want, Brian. <laughs> It's a, it? it's a shame. It's a crying, pitiful shame that I did not read this before the end of the year. Because it, it, was, it would have been on my 11 o'clockers. And damn it, I'm, I'm reading it after the fact. This is a collection that was published in November 2021. Uh, it was released in individual issues. I believe there was five of them, five or six of them. Uh, it's written and illustrated by Christine Larson, and it was published by Kaboom. It's called Orcs with an exclamation point. Orcs! It, totally delightful book. Huge impact. I There were sequences that, I'm not kidding, I gasped. <gasps> holy, there's a bunch of holy shit moments in this book. Uh, most of them are towards the end. Um, it was, as Jason likes to say, it was absolutely delightful. That's the best way I could put it. And it's a story about orcs, the most hated, feared, unlovable race in almost every fantasy novel I've ever read, right? The orcs are, they're, personas non grata they're just scum not in this book they're wonderful i mean they do carry the traits of orcs uh, traditional uh, traits of orcs they're fiery tempered and they like to they like to throw down they like their battle they like their adventure but they're not the 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 skeevy malicious pricks that were in jackson's lord of the rings movies right they're not tolkien orcs uh, there's actually a number of storylines weaving through this thing. There's a present day. There's a, a storyline that it plays out through tribe mythology based on a uh, the, uh, the legend of Drod the One-Eye, this fabled female orc adventurer. There's another storyline that takes place in the astral plane. It's crazy. Uh, basically... You have the story. It starts off with with um, an orc medicine woman, a witch, let's just say, granny, and part of her her tasks. And, and orc, um, the orc city, they have everything you would expect from a human city. There's artisans and and weapon makers, and there's you know uh, hunter gatherers, and there's soldiers, and there's a king. The, the king's I'm going to butcher it. The king's name is. Hrograga, King Hrograga, and he's he's very vain and self-centered. All of the staples are here, right? 
but one of the tasks that Granny um, somewhat enjoys doing, it gets on her nerves after a while, is she reads stories to the orc children to keep them occupied because orc children do what orc children are going to do. They get in trouble and they steal and they fight their orcs. Um, so she, the story, the book begins with her telling the tale of Drod One-Eye. And in the first tale, Drod meets uh, a siren. Drod hears singing. She's like, what is that? And, and so she goes to investigate and it's a siren. And usually, most more often than not, you hear a siren song, you're pretty much under her thrall. But doesn't work on, on Drod. And in doing so, she pisses off the siren because she, she bonks her and um, gets the hell out of there. So the, the siren is uh, carries a grudge, right? Um, it, and then later in the book, the uh, granny reads another chapter in the, the leg lexicon of, of Drod, and Drod meets an elf um, by the name of Wendy. And a blue orc mage by the name of Zama. And they're in trouble because there's a giant traipsing across the landscape. And Drod just throws herself into battle. Rawr, it's a giant. They're like, wait a minute. What are you doing? It's a friggin' giant. You just can't go chasing after giants. And while they're saying this, you see Drod is like running and leaping at the giant. Bam, 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 bam. And um, because Drod beats the giant. And so the the local uh, village there, they don't have much, they're 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 paupers, but they regale Drod with with food and 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 music and Wendy's and, and and Zama's like, do you really think you should keep eating because it doesn't look like these people have much? Drod's like, Rah! yeah, uh, but Drod or, or, or Wendy and Zama kind of manipulate Drod into going into battle uh they're, they're on a quest they they're, they're seeking something and but little does drod know that the siren is on her tail if orcs had tails so throughout the the breadth of this book you you get these semi-frequent flashbacks to this drod storyline and uh, but the main the top level tale is a, a group of orcs uh, you have Utzu, this hot-tempered, and I think it's pretty redundant to call an, an orc hot-tempered, but I'll do it anyway. Utzu's a hot-tempered female, and she's got a son named Sprog, and he's got a little dog named Wolfie, and uh, she's kind of worried. You know, the 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 king, Ragraga, has has given. Uh, the leader of this group, Bog, he's got an eye patch, and you find out in the book why he wears an eye patch. But I won't spoil it because I'm not an idiot. Um, so the, the king gives Bog this map and says, "Here, go, 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 do this for me." And so Bog's all like, "Yeah, we got something to do." And the the um, the king doesn't have much faith in either the intel behind the quest or Bog and his buddies, but he sends them out anyway, mostly to get them out of his hair. Uh, within the group, uh, I don't know whether they're called this orc Sprog's husband, because I don't know, they don't, inf uh, Christine does not inform you on the intricacies of orc relationships. Um, 
this man is definitely this male orc is definitely Sprog's father. Now, as to whether Atsu and this uh, Gur character are married, you really can't tell. I mean, they do seem like a couple, but do orcs get married? I don't know. But they're 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 a thing. But there's another aspect of Atsu that makes me think that orcs have a pretty fluid. Uh, opinion of relation or, or outlook on relationships, uh, but but anyway, Gur is like he's the the Groot of the book. All he says is Gur, and Utsu seems to understand him. Uh, it, so it's basically an orc version of Groot, which is kind of fun, right? Because she'll be talking, and well, maybe we shouldn't go through with this because it, may, it seems dangerous, and he'll just go Gur, and she'll be like, "Don't tell me," like you know. So she understands him. Um, there's a pair of orcs named Pez and Zep. Get it? They're brother and sister. They're siblings. They may even be twins. Um, and, uh, Zep wears a mask all the time. He conceals his face. Um, again, like Boggs' eye patch, I won't tell you why. You're just going to have to read the book and, and find out. So, the thing about the fluidity of the relationships, it seems like Pez and Utsu, they're they're really good friends, like they're girlfriends. But it's I kind of got a little bit of an inkling that maybe they were more than that. Now, this is an all-ages book, so there's nothing spelled out. But they're, when either is threatened, they're, the, the other is the first to leap into the fray to save them or to try and they just seem very, very close. A little, to me, a little bit more than best friends. I don't know. Because uh, Atsu will call uh, Pez cute. You're really cute when you're mad. You know, like, I, I, just, I just picked up on it. I don't know if it was intentional uh, by the author, but I like to think it is because everyone should love everyone. But uh, whatever. Um, so the king basically sends this group out on this mission just to get him out of his hair. And and they the map takes them to Eriazal Hell Forest. That's what the orcs call it. Eriazal Hell Forest. That's one word. But the real the real name of the place is Dapple Lightwood. And and the map leads them to a giant tree. Massive, massive tree. And it's got a hollowed out trunk and there's a little little marking above the peak of the, the hollowed out section. And it looks just like what's on the, the 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 paper that they were given. So Bog's like, This is it. Let's go get this treasure that's in there. Uh the problem is the the tree is guarded by legions of vicious squirrels. <laughs> the, the 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 old regime of squirrel uh, used to be, uh, they were simpatico with, with humans, or at least they, they ignored them to the point where everybody was cool. Uh, but there was a coup, and, <laughs> and the king of the squirrels, or the leader of the squirrels, was murdered, and this new um, leader took over, and they don't, they, if you trespass in, in squirrel area, they're coming after you and they'll kill you. And so, but, but the group doesn't know that. They're just like, wow, a bunch of squirrels. This is great. Let's go get the treasure. And you see, Rah! all these squirrels come out from, and they're fighting. And like, it's, they're, it's like Frank Miller-esque fighting panels, but they're fighting squirrels. So <laughs> it's really cute. Um, 
the only, the reason why you get the lore of the whole squirrel situation was from a pair of elves. They're 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 scouts, sentries, and they're just there to make sure that everything's cool with the squirrels and nobody's transgressing. And uh, the mother tree says, just keep an eye on them, but don't interfere because these squirrels, you know, they're 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 tenacious. And the the elves' names are Daniel and Leonard. <laughs> um, Daniel speaks like you or I speak, but Leonard considers himself a thespian of sorts, and he's very uh, Shakespearean. And Daniel's like, "Why do you talk like that? Like, it's it's just so weird, dude. Like, why you?" And he's like, "Forsooth." And it's so um, the our orc heroes get their heads handed to them. The the squirrels kick their asses, and so they're like, "Well." That that's a treasure. We got to get the treasure. We got to come up with a scheme, and they do. They do come up with a scheme. I won't say. Well, I kind of have to say because it pays out in droves. They they concoct a a, a plan to corral the the squirrels in these giant tarps, and they wrap them up, and that gives them access to the tree trunk. So they go on the tree trunk. Whoa, we got to get our treasure, and the tree trunk's loaded with nuts acorns so like what the hell this is our treasure so they're sitting around the fire and pez picks up one of the acorns and bites on it. it's like ah oh, son of a bitch she, she messes up her teeth and they they look at what falls out of her mouth and there's gold nuggets inside the the acorns uh so they go back to the village and they're like yeah this is awesome we're going to be seen as heroes and the king is just like pissed off you fuck sticks what have you done uh he treats them crappy and they they kind of get a little ticked off because they have to give a large portion of their spoils to the kingdom and they're just like why I, we don't understand this we're doing all the work and we got to give the king all our, our our booty this doesn't make sense so what they do is Instead of giving the king the acorns, they give the king the bags of of rabid squirrels. And um, shit hits the fan. And he does not take too kindly to it. And he banishes the entire group. You are no longer wel- welcome here. Get out. I don't care where you go, what you do, you are, you're just out. Go. And that's where the book essentially starts. It's a quest for adventure with this orc band... This is a 250-page book. I have not even scratched the surface of this thing. It goes places. Um, like I said, the the entirety of the, the the plan of the orc band is here's here's the deal. Let's go out, bide our time, till the king cools off. We'll take all the gold that we have. We're pretty wealthy now. We can go out. He banishes them without any weapons, so they got to go and and arm up, right? So they find a dwarven, uh, an underground dwarven armory. It's awesome. And they get new weapons and blah, 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 blah. blah. There's other storylines weaving their way through it. Um, let's go get some weapons, get some adventure, fill up our coffin, uh, coffers, and then we'll go back to the village and we'll say, hey, King Ragaga, we got money. Can we buy our way back in? Um, it doesn't turn out that way. It's It's amazing. The... The storyline from the past intertwines with the the present storyline. The stuff going on with Granny. Most of the the peop, the orcs in the village they think Granny's like um, a stoner 
because she's always in the astral plane. She's always, they think she's tripping balls in the astral plane. And uh, she's not. She's she's uh, doing research and scouting because there's something very, very nasty uh, coming and Granny wants to imprison it. How does she do it? I'm not going to tell you because then that would be spoiling it, right? Right. There's uh, uh, pissed off dwarfs. Um, there's a giant matron spider that carries her babies on her back. It's disgusting and funny at the same time. Uh, you'll learn that dwarven women have beards and they're still cute. The, but the the whole thing that um, really warmed my heart was the book is very, very female forward. I mean, it's written by a woman, but the 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 book features very capable women in prominent roles. Uh, in the Drod mythology, the entire party's women. There's and the, the the bonds that they make, I won't spoil it. It's awesome. There's there's a a, a very uh, subtle and masterfully played holy crap moment towards the end of the book that if you don't get a lump in your throat, then your heart's not beaten because it's just amazing. Um, Ms. Larson has gained a fan forever with me. As long as she keeps making these these orc books as wonderful as this, I will just keep buying these books because it was so damn good. And if you were a backer of the Dagger Dagger 2 Kickstarter, yep. um, a PDF of the book was released today to backers. Guess who has a story in Dagger Dagger 2? Who? Christine Larson. The very person that wrote and drew this wonderful Orcs book. And while you're at it, so this was the first series. Currently, there's an, a, a second series being published in single issues. It's called The Curse. Uh, judging by the cover, I haven't read it yet. The cover of the first issue, a seed planted late in the narrative comes to, uh, to sprout in this The Curse story. I can't wait to read it. This book is phenomenal. Just if you ever took my advice on anything, get this Orcs book. It's flat out amazing. And I think uh, Christine is a masterful cartoonist. It, she's just so great. But if you look at the cover, she's, I think, an equally potent painter as well. Because uh, most, uh, all, the entirety of the interiors are uh, brush. And, and ink and or pen but the cover she goes in and paints over her line work and her technique is just phenomenal wonderful get this book take my advice orcs exclamation point christine larson so i uh, looked this up on amazon as soon as you started talking about it and i started reading the reviews and i've got to laugh you go from almost softcore porn succubus to an all ages book that a dad has read to his child 20 times because the kid loves it and they're going to have to buy a new copy yeah no it's <laughs> it's like, so good gone from one extreme to another it, there's a bunch of heartwarming moments in it that i'm telling you the one towards the end i was just like son of a bitch you got me 
You just totally you, you you've had feelings the last two two shows. I know. Cut it out. Oh man. I think that's what it is. I really do. Yeah. But I mean it's basically the book is about friendship. It's just these these, these creatures that are are traditionally looked upon as savages, right? They're monsters. Orcs are supposed to be monsters, but they're not in this book. They're just as uh, I mean, they're they're very human. They have all of the foibles and and fears and and uh, you know loves and dislikes that that humans do. They're, it's just wonderful. Just get it. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Just get it. So, Dap, do we need to have a? You all need to have a book of the month of My Little Pony Friendship is Magic with <laughs> Tony. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how soon that's going to happen, but we'll see. I was I'm. Um going through uh larson's story in the anthology now I, I i i like the look of it a lot oh she's a great cartoonist yeah 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 the the story in dagger dagger is a bit more clean okay the it, uh, the cartooning in in the orcs is a, a tad a tad bit looser but it's it's you could tell it comes from the same hand it's just great she's wonderfully accomplished love 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 her style yeah. Um. I. So I finished an event I had as my in your travels not too long ago, um, and I'm not quite sure how I feel about it. Um, the shadow war event by Joshua Williamson. Okay, I, I I know the spoiler, and when you were talking about it the other day, I was like, it, I haven't read it, but one of our friends told me, and it hurt my heart a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and I don't, I really don't want to spoil it. Um, so I'll 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 wait on it, but um, the uh, the Roger Cruz art pencils in um, in the Robin issues, Norm wrapping on inks that looked really good um porter moved from deathstroke inc to batman i don't know for how long if it was just for this event um that looked good uh, unfortunately um paolo uh pantalena is I, I like his style and and i've following him on instagram for years and like the way they draw women but um it just it didn't quite match up with Cruz and and Porter on the um, on the other two books. Uh, it, it's you know it's really it's a story about you know fathers and sons um, because Deathstroke is um, turns out he has another in air quotes son. The son is basically um, respawn is the clone of uh, Talia and Slade. Raised, tortured by Rachel Al Ghul, um, and looks an awful lot like Damien, just with uh, like platinum blonde hair. And there's a bit of a story where Batman and Robin, where Bruce and Damien kind of reconnect. Um, but yes, Deathstroke Slade Wilson did not assassinate Rachel Al Ghul. Um, it is revealed there was there was a couple of panels earlier. In the crossover, that uh, uh, appearance of a character that you kind of just don't think much of, um, 
and I mean, it was it was neat that it was a reference to Leviathan, and it all kind of connects there. But then when the reveal happens before the uh, before the finale, I just I I still I get it. I I get the justification. Now, now Brian already said that it was spoiled for, him, so I don't know. It's not going to phase Vince one bit. So I don't know <laughs> if I should really go into it or. It's been it, out a couple of weeks. Let's say go for it. So the person who impersonated Deathstroke and killed Raish is Geoforce. Brion Markov has now gone um, killer. And the whole reason for this is because Leviathan basically destroyed Markovia and um, and Talia was responsible and part of that. Um, so Brion, of course, has an issue with her and of course we know what Slade did to Tara his half-sister so of course he needs to do something to Slade and he figured by doing that it would cause Talia and Slade to basically take each other out or whoever's left standing either Geoforce can take care of it or just be left with you know this is what you've have to live with now and um let that happen again i being someone who was there from the beginning with batman and the outsiders and and we've talked about at Aborfo earlier tonight and I, I talked about black lightning and katana from the other history to dc universe i batman and the outsiders is near and dear to me and there have been Yes, Geoforce has anger issues. He's 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 got a bit of a short fuse. He's faced he's taken on Superman and 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 I would have hoped that over the years between Superman, between Batman, between all the other heroes he's been around, um he would know where the line is. And uh it's just I so so now he's in Belrev and and in custody and chained up and and I I don't know if he'll get a redemption arc. I don't know if they'll just decide to make him a villain from here on out. But I I still you know at, at my my first reaction when when the reveal happened because um, when he shows up still in the Deathstroke the older Deathstroke armor and and even Robin's like my man's trying to like hide his accent. And we don't hear it, obviously, because we're reading it, but it, it's, you know, so again, he's just a little clues. And then he finally reveals himself. And I, I, I really was just a little put off. I, I, I didn't want, I didn't want to see it. And then as you read his, like I said, his, his explanations and his reasoning behind it, eh, part of it kind of, it, it works, but I think it would work better for a, I'd say maybe a lesser hero. I don't want somebody like this is a person who's supposed to be responsible for a whole country and um and again was taught by Batman and that's not exactly, you know, a ringing endorsement, but there there's just I and then I'm wondering if if I should be more if I'm okay with it being Geoforce, like if this was any other almost any other character that that I grew up reading when uh when they first were introduced you know, how i would feel if it was somebody else and and would i be more offended or would there be more of a reach for a reason why they would do this but again it 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 sort of kind of 
makes sense, but it also just feels like we need somebody to be the villain here. We need to have somebody for the reveal, and um, this is who we're going with. And yeah, I just um, I don't know, but the the conclusion um, they. Uh, Deathstroke's secret society throws him in the Lazarus pit um, and he comes out all healthy and then one of the one of the villains that does make the comment they're like well why didn't he heal his eye and I thought that was funny but the um, he comes out of the pit then Batman and Robin are doing their thing um, and uh, there's the you know there's a, ooh, a dark crisis coming but uh, so 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 the latest Deathstroke arc in Deathstroke Inc. looks like to be like a, a year one or something. I haven't started it yet. It's the tenth issue. Um, and Batman and Robin. Oh, uh, the Devil Neza is is mentioned, which of course Wade and Mora introduced in um, the world's finest. So again, this is that whole Batman versus Robin mini that Wade and Mahmoud are working on it, and and so that spins out of shadow war and of course world's finest is connected. So I'm, I'm, I'm in because of, of what this is all connected to. Um, but yeah, I just, again, you know, shadow war was, was a funky story and, and everybody who was involved between Batman and Batman Inc. was, was, um, was brought in for a bit and black canaries here. And, and it, there was, there was a lot going on and it was, um, it was, entertaining i just somebody else may take a different view of of the reveal but um but i'm still eh, kind of sort of struggling with it did tom king write this no (laughs) (laughs) he did not i didn't read it but i have some feelings about it because of the reveal itself one i had to sit here and think where are the outsiders in this version of DC that we're at now because you know they've been swept under the rug with New 52 and then Rebirth but then I remembered in Metal. Katana in Suicide Squad? She has been. Yeah. Halo I think showed up in there somehow I read about Um, I never read the issues but I do remember in one of the metal issues, they show Batman had a secret team and it was the Outsiders, the traditional lineup. But they never expounded on that outside of that one panel. So to your point of him being trained by Batman, I think that's still legitimate and current mm-hmm. DC timeline. But just the fact when somebody told me Geoforce was pretending to be Deathstroke, I'm like, <laughs> one, they got a completely different body type. <laughs> Yeah, like, And I know this is comics. I have to get over this. They can just make it that way. But I'm like, dude's built like a linebacker, and Slade is a completely different build. <laughs> and Geoforce is a brawler. He's not going to – he's not like a tactician master fighter like Deathstroke is. So how is he – how is he pretending? And then you brought up the accent. I'm like – because he's got that – Eastern European accent, <laughs> yep, I yep. imagine. And I'm like, that that doesn't fit Deathstroke at all. It just seems like, to your point, they decided to make it him because they needed a reveal. But then I'm like, the only people that care about Geoforce 
read his <laughs> comics 35 to 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They don't want to see this. They don't want to see this version of Jim. And I mean, and, and, and I guess they kind of, they kind of played their hand early on because after the assassination, when, when black Batman and, um, DEO director chase are, um, they're like miles outside of Gotham and there's a, there's basically a, a massive rock tunnel, um, from the earth that that's how Deathstroke got away. And like, you know, not obviously, well, that's how, I mean, it was kind of like right there. Who else, who else are they going to like have manipulate the earth like that, that it would kind of make anybody take notice of, of, of the reveal of who it might be. So, I mean, th- there were some clues, uh, there were some visual clues the, the, again, the accent wouldn't have played, but it, it's, you know, but it was kind of just neat that here's Geoforce. Here, here's 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 Brian talking about um, what his reaction to the assassination. Um, so it's like, hey, I know who this guy is. So so he he. It's not like they they completely ignored the character until that last page of the reveal. It's like there were Williamson did sprinkle a couple of clues here and there. Um, but still, uh, of all the characters DC has, it's like that's that's the guy you got to pull. Yeah, when you were saying, you know, you felt some kind of way about the story, I'm, and you, you know, you were getting to it, but you didn't make the reveal yet. I'm thinking, is this another Wally West level blunder, like on DC's part? <laughs> yes. But, no, I mean it's all a matter of perspective. Like, yes, it is. like, Absolutely. like you said, I have zero attachment to Geoforce, yeah. but there are people like yourself that do. So yeah, different storylines affect different people uh, to uh, variable degrees. Yes, I do like that they picked up the drop plot line from Leviathan and all that from yes. this because it was just a footnote that Leviathan yeah. took over Brunkovia. Like, and I'm sitting here like, what about Geoforce? Like, mm-hmm. he got some strong ties there. He just rolled over. Is he dead? <laughs> like, what's going on? <laughs> so because it's not the same continuity, did Slade still do all the stuff to Terra that... There is, there's... it. So how do yes. you factor that? He did? But the thing is, well, in the recent Priest-written Deathstroke, um, there's, there were some tweaks with the history because they've tried to also um make current and 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 change some things like jericho um was slightly different um and and it it, it, so slade slade's origin is pretty much still the same um his wife tried to kill him when um joseph was taken hostage and his throat was slit um so she did try to kill him, but but Slade's reflexes moved. She only got half his head and shot out his eye. So uh, Priest kept some things. Then when he got to Tara, um, it was they tried to spin it where she was she was in complete control. She wasn't being manipulated. She was basically you know she knew what Slade was doing and she was, she was also doing it to him. So it was, it it was kind of, but it was, it it didn't matter how it was worded. It's still, she's still a teenager and he's still a grown ass man. Obviously you can't really look at it as being in the eighties because if these are the same characters around the same age now, 
the timelines are what they are, but no, it's as far as I'm concerned, being the reader read it when the stories were coming out, this slate still did what he did, which is why Brion did what he did because he wanted to get his revenge on, on Slade. Gotcha. When I'm also sitting here just thinking about the outsiders, which I am, I do from time to time, honestly. <laughs> you can blame DC, you. DC really craps on those characters. They do, yes. Yeah. Black Lightning and Metamorpho, not so much. But the rest of it, well, Katana is a bigger deal now. But they completely have changed them from who they were back then, almost. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I do find it funny that a couple of years ago, they took on more prominence with that Young Justice show. Yep. Geoforce and Halo were in yep. it, at least. I haven't got to the seasons. But they're not characters DC uses in any book. No, no. I think the only, the only team that might get less respect, and that's because they pretty much don't exist anymore, are the team titans from, from, from that era of, of DC. I thought you were going to say the power company. <laughs> no, because I listen. If if you're you see, I can grum it. I mean, how are you not? That's just that's a beautiful looking book. Exactly. So yeah. That's, that's, oh, I, I that. love that book. I bought yeah. it for awesome. I mean, I never read it. I barely read it. I remember an issue or two, but I I, I didn't read it. I'd say I didn't read it because I just yeah, big lead in, and and uh, the series lasted far longer than I thought it would. It's about twenty issues. Yeah, around there. Yeah, with those. Six issue one shots that let right. it off. Six or seven. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, buddies. You know what time it is? What time it is? It's time to thank the people that made this possible. Oh, you're giving me a thank you at the end. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're one of them. That's true. As always, we have to thank our patrons for all of this. Uh, they are there day in day out for us um and we like to return the favor as as well as we could and you go to our patron site patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics one one no apostrophe and you'll see a whole mess of stuff um hopefully right i don't know how much you'll see because i don't know how that works when you're not a patron what do they see you probably see a whole bunch of message titles and not not bodies of them is that how it works david there is, yeah. You'll see, you'll you'll see the header, and then uh, like you see the subject line, um, maybe the teaser text, depending on how it's how we format it to post. Um, right. And so, then like some, uh, maybe the hint of a line, but then it'll say you know click here to read more. Ah, uh, gotcha. Patron. So you'll not you'll see the frequency at which we post, which is a lot. Um, and you can get a, a gist by the the message titles what we post. We do. Uh, images, we do audio, long audios, you get them for free, nobody else gets that, um, fanzines, uh, previews, perusals, and don't forget that Slack channel. That's the real gold nugget inside the acorn. The Slack channel is where we all get to kumbaya every day. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Pay your money, join the Slack, become some friends and family, honestly. Yes. like. Yeah. I these are some of my best friends now. The, some of the guys on that Slack, like talk to them all the time, and meeting up at Heroes with people I talked to for years and never met. It's like it's like we were best friends from the the second we said hi in person. <laughs> it, no, it's it, it, true. It's, it's awesome. It, it's true. It's a wonderful fringe benefit. 
in your travels, I, I would like to thank a man among men. His name is James. And he is a, a patron as well. He made sure that I got my grubby little hands on a book because he knows what this stuff means to me. And it is Erie Publications, the complete covers, the whole bloody mess by Sir Mike Howlett. Now, if you're a fan of this stuff, you know that this is not Mike's first book on the topic. He has written uh, one, well, the, the, the giant uh, reference tome on Erie Publications. It's a beautiful, beautiful book is, is Mike's. And uh, he's very learned in this stuff. A kindred spirit as well. Because uh, we have uh, we share some of the same opinions. So what are you going to get in this book? Well, not comics, that's for sure. You get all of the covers. All of the Erie Pub covers in sequence as they were released. Which, you know, if you're not a fan of this stuff, may not seem like a big to-do to you. But to me, this is an invaluable reference. Because you get to see how the debauchery just <laughs> hit the skids over the, the their publication history. I mean, they started off really strong. Uh, the artists, you're asking, who was in this book? Well, you got Chick Stone. You got Carl Burgos, who eventually, uh, I think he may have started off as the editor or he just segued like a lateral shift to editor. Bob Powell's in here. Johnny Brooke. Oscar Novell. Fernando Fernandez. And this is the reason why I call Mike Hollett uh, a very kindred spirit, uh, not only because of his love for this stuff, but he has the very good taste to have the same favorite cover artist I do, which is Bill Alexander. Bill is a son of a bitch with these covers. The They were um, fairly, ex well, very explicit for the time. We're talking um, late 60s when the, the horror boom was, was ramping up. I think the second horror boom was was ramping up and Jim Warren had a success with Creepy and later uh, Vampirella and Eerie and uh, Myron Fast took a look at it and there was never a trend Myron Fast did not want to exploit. So he uh, cobbled together these uh, code and pre-code horror tales that he got on the cheap or free and just wrapped them in these garish, ghoulish, amazing covers and i'll be totally honest the guts of the eerie publications uh weird horror witches tales told in chilling picto fiction you see that all the time tales from the the tomb uh the guts are uh, they're not bad i mean i have a soft spot for the the, the stories within these magazines just because i love horror uh pre-code horror especially especially but it, the real joy in eerie pubs are the covers and this book, like I said, has all of them, every one of them. And you get to see all the dismembered body parts, all the the bondage, the bondage and sadomasochism and characters having, you know, being stuffed into meat grinders or having their heads lopped off and their brains spilling out. Um, females getting their clothes almost ripped off because they were the covers. They couldn't be super, super explicit. But like um, the best of the uh, the cheesecake stuff, it's what you don't see that's the real titillation, right? But when it's covered in blood, how titillating is it? I don't know. I think pretty much. Um, this book is amazing. It's a hardcover. And um, 
And they even reproduce. Uh, there was a point when uh, Burgos stepped away from doing the covers, and if they didn't have uh, a cover for a certain issue, he would go back into the vaults and take a razor blade and slice and make collage-like um, compositions based on existing art. So you get those, not as big as the the original covers. But this book is just incredible and will probably factor somewhere in uh, the award show of next year. But it's published by Fantico. And that's another joy with this book. Mm-hmm. Um, just seeing the, the Fantico logo on a current publication just fills my black heart with all kinds of joy because... I don't think there's a Fantico publication from back in the day that I didn't buy. Like, they were at the top of, of my, uh, my list. Yep. And uh, miss you, Chaz. But this book is just impeccable. So, uh, propel yourself as, as fast as your tentacles will allow and get yourself to uh, a bookseller and buy Fantico's Eerie Publications in Chilling Picto Color. The Complete Covers, The Whole Bloody Mess by Mike Howlett. It is essential. If you're a lover of horror, especially the magazine um, arena from back in the, the glory days of the 60s and 70s, you need this book. Just, just, You just need it. There's no bones about it. Plenty of bones on the covers, but there's no... And the paper stock is ridiculous. It is so thick. Um, Jim Whiting, James, I mentioned, did the layout for this book. And you can find his stuff at whitingstudio.com, W-H-I-T-I-N-G studio.com. He is a prince, and I thank him. And a patron. That's what I said, yeah. He's a good man. He's a good man. Yes, Absolutely. Uh, in your travels, um, I have, uh, in my possession, a preview copy, a proof of, uh, an awesome comics podcast community anthology. This is DUI Drone Under the Influence number two. Uh, last year's anthology was one of my favorites of the year, um, and even, made it to my Oscars, and um this one is um is another bang up job um i read most of the stories and i need to finish it because i want to let uh you know sarah was in charge of the first book uh she has a smaller hand this time around but i definitely want to give her my thoughts but um of it it's an has an awesome cover by our uh, our new bestie um cliff Gumber. and it is a um it's just a lot of fun it's just a lot of dudes and, and gals getting together and um and telling stories and i absolutely love that and uh three pounds from each printed copy and all of the digital proceeds go to uh, cancer research uk so again just like last year's volume uh went to charity so will uh so will this year so it does go to a good cause um it's kind of hard to top 
the first book for me. I, I uh, a lot of the stories in that first volume uh, hit me some kind of way. Um, this volume has a few stories that uh, that seem to lean on the heavy side. There are some stories that are are, are, are just quirky. Some are laugh out loud funny, um, but the creators all do. A phenomenal job so um if you can i definitely uh recommend it you can uh, go to awesomecomics.podbean.com um or email dui comic three the number three um at gmail.com but uh to, to get more information on it because i do not have um the message from Sarah. I was trying. I, I was reading it, and I did not um, see any ordering information. So, make sure you're listening to um, the Awesome Comics podcast uh, when you're done listening to us. And um, I'm sure more information can be obtained there. But once I um, once I get uh, through with all of the stories, I'll. Um, able to give my favorites but uh but no it's 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 an absolute i love an anthology and i love seeing people just having fun with the art form and uh and telling stories whether they be a page three pages eight pages whatever it takes to get your story done um go for it you got something you got to get out off your head and 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 onto the page then uh I think anthologies are perfect for it, but yeah. Um, DUI number two drawn under the influence in your travels. And in your travels, I'm going to pull a Jason here real quick and do a TV show and a book. Um, so in your travels, if you're looking for a half hour show, that's, that's real good. Um, I highly suggest the bear on Hulu, which was yep. just renewed for a second season. Dap had been talking it up and got me and my husband hooked on it. We binged the whole thing in a couple days, <laughs> but uh, it's a it's a awesome show. Um, book wise, though, I am going to say in your travels, pick up Once in Future by Boom Studios, put out by Boom um, from Kieran Gillen and Dan Mora. Issue twenty eight came out today, and just a few weeks ago sort of out of the blue it was announced that the book will be ending wrapping up with issue 30 which i gotta say i'm glad to hear because i was waiting the book is awesome but i think it's one of those that needs an endpoint. so i'm glad that they have one in mind that they're working towards um but right now we're we're literally leading up to that that final story um which i have a feeling if Sticks the Landing ends up on the O'Closkers. This book will be a strong contender for my book for that. Um, we've got three different versions of King Arthur and Merlin are trying to take over the world, or basically Great Britain, but I think all the the stories have gotten out into the world at this point. All the, um, And we've got Robin Hood and like Beowulf, all of these threads that they have weaved throughout 28 issues are coming to a head on Christmas 
And then we've also got the Green Knight out there waiting to be had one of the heroes on Christmas Day. Um, so I'm interested to see how he pulls up, pulls this all off and, and wraps the book up. Um, Kieran Gillen's just killing it this year in my book. Uh, so I'm a, uh, so in your travels, pick it up right before it finishes and, and binge the whole thing. They did a, a pretty massive omnibus size collection of, of a good chunk of it, right? Yeah, they did one of kind of the image deluxe editions, you know, about 14, you know, about 15 or 16 issues, kind of like they did Black Science and Deadly <sighs> Class and, and all those. So I imagine Boom will put out a, a second volume to, to finish it up. And they did a slipcase version of, of that as well as something is killing the children about the same time. Oh, nice. Yeah. Maybe so, they'll do a slipcase edition of volumes one and two. Fingers crossed. Cause I didn't buy the slipcase for one. And if they do one for mm-hmm. two, I will, I will get that. Nice. <laughs> there you go. Dan Moore is a beast. Yeah, and he has been on all all the issues, so it's been a consistent creative team for the for the whole run. Well, speaking of never leaving the house, I can't imagine that guy has has any life other than pencil to paper. Like he just seems to draw constantly. He's on a ton of 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 well, I, not a ton of books, but he produces a lot of pages a month. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's all quality work too. He's not. There's no hacking it here. Good stuff. All right, people. Looks like we're done. We would like to thank our Boo Bryant for being here with us. It's always a pleasure to be in your company. Well, thank you for the invite. I appreciate it. Ah, you do us. You do us proud. Um, in the meantime, uh, go get yourself some uh, comics. Maybe head on over to our website, 11oclockcomics.com. Take a look around there. The Patreon, patreon.com forward slash 11oclockcomics. Love people, be a nice person, and say goodnight. Once again, I'm without something to make noise. Maybe I'll I'll just put the whistle in here. That's what I'll do. (laughs) Uh, Behind the, the scenes, Brian hates the whistle. (laughs) <laughs> David Good night Bye, Let's screw him up Let's make a lot of noise and screw him up da, da, da. See you don't revel in it like I do <laughs> Jason does a little bit But he's like come on son that ain't, that, That's not adult We don't do that to our friends <laughs> Oh well Yeah, we love you people. Come back next week. Tell them you love them. You have to do it before you tuck them in. Just tucking them (laughs) all? We love you. See that? Love you guys. Good night. Yay, he did it. (laughs) He did the thing. That's it for that one.